the past couple of years, um, here our leadership has been uh, talking a lot about uh, what a win looks like for us, what a win looks like. And so, um, you know, what would be the outcome or some of the results of us um, as a church kind of hitting our mark? You know, when we're living out the values that we say that we're about, what would be some of the, the end results of that that would be like, that would show that, yeah, man, we're, we're doing what God has asked us to do. And for us, um, wins, we don't really equate necessarily with number of people in the seats or amount of money in the offering box or number of programs that we have here uh, or ministries that we do. We equate a win at Wellspring with a changed life. When people are being transformed, when they're looking more like Jesus, that is a win for us. And so today we're going to introduce you to a couple of um, folks uh, that have had some pretty significant changes in their family in the past year, um, and some things that we feel like are wins for our church community, for their life. And uh, so we're going to bring them up here kind of one at a time and interview them and let them tell a little bit about their story, hopefully give you some insight into what's been going on in their life uh, in the past year. And if you've been around here very long at all, you know that we spend a lot of time talking about God's heart for orphans, for the fatherless, for the vulnerable. As I've said many times, it's really not uh, a question of whether, whether you're going to be engaged in that initiative. It's what, in what way are you going to? If you call yourself a follower of Christ, um, you have to be engaged in, in the orphan window and the orphan opportunity in our world because it's so tied to the Father's heart. Um, and it's, it's just blatant throughout Scripture. Our call is the body and the family of Christ um, to be a, a family to the fatherless in our world. And so um, that's taken on some different forms in our church. And so we're going to share a couple of uh, examples of those things today. And uh, the first uh, couple that I want to bring up are the Codemans, Nick and Megan. Let's give them a round of applause. Just turn that on. Yeah, click it up. Um, let me tell you just a, a, a brief little bit about them. Um, Nick and Megan um, have two biological children, Tad and Rylan, who are like six and four, five and seven. I'm just off a year. Yeah, okay. And then this past year, they added Brielle uh, to their family. We have a photo of kind of their new family now. And uh, they actually had to redo your family photos, right? Yeah, because they'd already taken them, and then they, they got a call here recently. So um, I'm going to sit down so everything's, we're all on the same level Make here. yourself at home, Bob. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so let me back the story up a little bit and um, kind of take us back before all this kind of transpired to just what have your conversations been as a couple over the years about just the whole idea of adoption to begin with, so... Well, <clears throat> so Megan, if you don't know her, is a saint. <laughs> I'm a blessed man. Well, so she, Megan has had adoption on her heart for a long time. Um, she swore she wasn't ever going to get married, but yet she always wanted to, to adopt. So um, anyway, I, I wooed her. Is this, is this what you're looking for? <laughs> no, <Are> we <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> heading in the right direction here. So um, Meg, Megan has always felt like she was led to adopt. Um, for me, I'm a little more hard-headed, and uh, we, we talked a little about adoption early on, and her, her youngest sister had a friend um, after we'd been married a year or so, 
that that had a, a that was got pregnant and was considering adoption, and so we talked about it at that point um, as maybe a possibility. And um, and then I, um, when, gosh, ten years or so ago, Kim got cancer, and uh, so through that process, we thought we may not be able to have children, um, and so we talked about it again then as a, as a maybe. Um, and one thing that, that when during those time that time especially that was just a a way I guess for for us to a different way for us to get what we wanted because I I always wanted kids she did too and uh, so when we thought we wouldn't be able to all of you all that were there uh, was so that was that was when we we had talked about it then um, and then it wasn't until more recently. Um, that God started changing my heart. So we, Meg's brought it up often as a good wife will when she hears from God, you know, hey, husband, why are you so hard-headed? Come around. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had some of those conversations, not like that, much more loving. But um, it wasn't until, until we started hearing more and more sermons here. And um, I think we were talking about this last night. I think I, maybe even it was when Tammy Flowers was sharing about something with, with what she was doing over in Africa that it really, really hit my heart that, we we need to become a part of this. Um, that it's not not our life to live, um, and and this was just a small way, I guess, that we could step into God's plan. Mm. So good. Do you want to, Megan? You want to just share a little bit about maybe why domestic over international? So so we decided to go domestic. We kind of were debating either way, and we were open to either kind of situation but Nick loves infants and really wanted an infant child and um which I'm okay with infants (laughs) 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 I love our infant um but also we at that time the international process just slowed incredibly and watching our friends go through that process Bob and Kristen (laughs) and some of our other friends and just seeing how long that wait was going to be and domestically it was a lot shorter but then also just with Nick's cancer and some of our other issues some of the countries wouldn't even consider us and so domestic at that time was the right option for us and we might eventually consider international adoption but at that time we knew we couldn't do (laughs) (laughs) spoiler alert (laughs) we've got one for you right now let's bring them on in (laughs) <laughs> At that time, we knew we weren't open to older kids, and so that wasn't really an option for us. Or maybe actually we have some parents who'd like to give their children to the Codemans. We'll take them. Depending on the day, right? <laughs> um, okay, so tell us a little bit about, like, when did you, when did you apply? How long ago was that? And, and what have been some of the challenges that you guys have experienced along the, the path here? Well, we applied about, we started the process about three years ago, right now, Right. Um, and it took about six months to get our home study and all of our paperwork done, and that was a challenge for sure. And then um, started with our agency and worked with them for, I guess, 14 months, 15 months. But then at some point just realized that it was going to be a long wait with that agency and decided to, and a friend of Nick's mentioned the agency that they were working with, and suggested that we work with, start working with them. They were in Kansas City, and they were placing way more infants than they usually do, or children, I guess, than they usually do, and were seeking out families 
who were open to those situations because they didn't have enough waiting families. And so at that point, that was in, that was this past summer that we started that process and got our approval with them on October 27th. And then Gabrielle was born on November 2nd. We found out about her on November 10th. Okay. So we. So just so you guys know, just a little bit of the difference between, um, you know, going overseas or international or domestic. When you do an international adoption, you kind of put in the profile what it is you're looking for in a child, the age, the sex, what um, health issues that you'll take. And so when they have a kid that gets um, placed in an orphanage that they have connections with, they will, you know, connect them with the family who's requesting that, those specifics. With, the, with domestic, it's a little bit different. You fill out this family profile and a photo album, and, and the, the moms actually choose which family this child will go with, right? You want to talk about how that process works yes. domestically? So with the first agency we were working with, we've set out, again, our things that we're okay with and situations that we're open to. And then every situation that would come up, they would give us the details, and we would say, yes, we're open to that. Show our profile. And then the mom would choose us. In our situation, it actually worked out differently because the mom decided she didn't want to know the family that is adopting her child, and so she didn't want to choose. So the agency actually chose us because we were the only family that was open to all parts of her situation. So how many times through the process did you have that kind of hope of we might get chosen? 20. Yeah, probably. There was... There was one, one time that we actually went and met with a mom and got to meet her a little bit, and she chose a different family. But there were a lot of situations where we said, yes, show our profile, and we knew that moms were viewing us and that we were being considered. Okay. So talk a little bit about what that did to your heart. <laughs> that, I mean, that's a lot of times to kind of get your hopes up and maybe be disappointed and, and maybe not only how you handled that, but maybe how God kind of met you in the midst of that and what he showed you, revealed to you through that time? It was hard. It felt like a rejection, and the agency was really good about telling us over and over it's not. It's definitely God's plan that he works out the perfect match at the perfect time, and we can see that clearly. But it feels like there's something wrong with us. You know, Mm. that why would they not want us to be their parents? We think we're great. (laughs) Yes. And so just a lot of doubts and fears and concerns about uh, is there something wrong in our profile? Is there something wrong with us? Do we need to reevaluate who we are? And and continuing to talk about that with the agency and them continuing to tell us it's not you. The right situation is out there for you at the right time. Mm. So Nick, could you maybe share a little bit on, on that? process and just kind of the ups and downs like how, how was God shaping you through that like what was he doing in you as that was going on well so um, part of not being not considering adoption until much later I guess in life or later on in the process was I didn't have I had a lot of fears and that, I think that was a lot of the reason I was so hard-headed and so slow to to be open to it was I there's just a lot of stuff that I was concerned about um, a lot of fears that I had and so one of the blessings to going with going through the agency that we went through um, initially was that they had a lot of training. It was a Christian agency. It was a really rigorous process that they, they kind of run you through the ringer with the home study and then uh, just a lot of training. That's why it, a lot of the reason it took six months for us to get through the application process. So it was painful for us to to have all those no's and to have people, to feel personally rejected. But at the same time, 
God was using that time to prepare our hearts in both, you know, both Megan's and mine, but I think especially mine, because I just, I mean, I still probably am not nearly where I need to, I definitely am not where I need to be, but it's just, it was, it was really cool to see God's timing in all of it, and that um, through every, every, all, every step of the way, he had a plan, um, and so many times, obviously, we have, I mean, we had ideas that we were just going to sign up, and then the next week get a call, and then go get a baby, and, and live happily ever after, and so, yeah. um, you know, Obviously, that wasn't the best. Right. Yeah. How did you see God just meet you, maybe in some unexpected ways during the process? Um, I think that he provided a lot of people that gave us a lot of support and encouragement in times that we were struggling or doubting or fearing, and Mm. people were just there to encourage us and keep pushing us forward and um, he provided financially every time that we were wondering, is this the right thing? Can we do it? And he always provided. Because switching agencies cost more money it did. at the end. Yeah. It did. And it ended up, the agency that we switched to ended up not costing as much as some of the other agencies we could have done. Okay. <clears throat> but yeah, it was, it worked out perfectly. It was, it was cool to see, um, throughout the whole process just like God as he always does just gently nudge us in one direction or the other we there was one point financially where we thought okay we'll we'll get a line of credit against our house cuz cuz the first agency that we had signed up with was moving they sent out an, an email even saying hey things have really slowed down for us and so we thought okay we need to spend more money go to a bigger agency that adopts more kids and and we were trying to do it all in our power so we thought well we'll get a line of credit against the house we thought we had a bunch of equity. Well, the appraisal, of course, as they always do, comes in low. So, so then we thought, okay, that's that. We felt like that was God telling us just be patient, wait, um, and so that was just one way. And then I think it was just really cool to see how God knits us closer together as as a couple, and then as a family through through the trials. And so, um, yeah, just I mean what. There were a couple situations where there were babies available that needed to be adopted, and, and it just seemed in our mind like it was perfect. But then to see where we are now and how perfect it is, mm. it's pretty incredible. Yeah. What was, I mean, were your kids old enough to understand the process of what was going on? Did they know there were different times when you guys were kind of up, and how did they handle that? Or could they even process it or share anything with you? Through that, well, Rylan just wanted a baby. <laughs> she swore she was living a, or a baby or doll. Or fake, she, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know how much. I mean, I'm sure we don't give him enough credit for sensing the, you know, the hurt that we felt at at times. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. We didn't necessarily talk about that. You have something to say? <laughs> no, she just <laughs> waiting for a cup of coffee. <laughs> no, I think they did understand. I mean, Rylan would constantly say when do we get our baby and when is our baby coming? And they, they prayed, they prayed for the baby every night and Mm -hmm. they, they knew and understood before we knew that they knew and understood and could explain and put into words what it meant to adopt a child. And so they were talking about it. I think before even both of us were ready to adopt, they were ready to adopt. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, having, having waited myself and my wife through that process of adoption and knowing how long that can take, watching other people take a long time, sometimes I know 
Uh, sometimes when you're praying for folks, you don't even know what to pray, you know, as a community and trying to, you just feel so bad for folks and it's just like, oh my gosh, is this going to end? And one of the cool parts of, of your story was uh, just a few months ago, I was, I'd read this book about praying very bold and specific prayers. And so I was like, we were in a prayer meeting one night and I was like, I'm just going to pray that you all get your kid before the holidays. Like, so that we had a prayer meeting here. I just prayed, God, we, I want them to have a kid before the holidays. So it was like early November, whatever date that was. I got a text from them like, now, when did you pray that we would get a kid? And I'm like, do you have some news to tell me? And um, it was really exciting. Could you just share like what that phone call was like, what that moment was like for you guys, if you can try to put it into words? Kind of unbelief. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just didn't seem real. And I didn't realize even until Nick and I were talking that it seemed even less real to him because with all the other situations, they would send a message and then I would call him and tell him about it. Well, with this situation, it was with the other agency and we hadn't even met the social worker at this agency. We hadn't, I had never talked to them on the phone. We'd just sent stuff back and forth by email. So this random number calls and I receive a phone call from someone I don't know and she starts telling me in great detail about this situation and do we want this baby and it was just a lot different than <laughs> what we had expected. But when I called Nick, in his mind, it was the same as any other situation. And so he's like, yeah, show our profile. And I'm like, no, there's a baby for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so we were just kind of in shock and in awe. And there were still a lot of legal things around. And so we were just not even sure if it was going to work out for us. But we were pretty excited and overjoyed. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Nick? Well, she she really nailed it. Uh, <laughs> the well, uh, and I, there's so the legal side of things is one thing that I really that I had questions about, and and we're still so we have temporary custody of Brielle, um, and there's the after is it sixty days, thirty days? Uh, there's thirty days, I think maybe sixty days, where they the father has they say that he abandoned the child, and then after six months they can say that he's abandoned and neglected. And then, so then at that point, we can, we'll go back to court and, and if he hasn't, hasn't resurfaced, um, then we'll have the opportunity to have permanent custody of her. Mm. And then, and then according to the, the law in Missouri, there's not any, she's, she can't ever be taken from us for that reason. Oops, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So what was, what was Christmas like with with this new child, I mean, just obviously you're worshiping the the birth of a savior, and then you are holding this this child that you've adopted in your family. Like, how did that maybe take on new meaning? This is not a question that was in the script. This is just one I came off the top of my head. But um, so sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Did you just have any thoughts or connect with that those two stories at all, or am I just making up a story that doesn't exist? <laughs> She says, go ahead. Um, well, I mean, it, I think that the Christmas season is always just such a time that we, I mean, obviously we work hard to connect with God all of the time, but it's so real during Christmas. And so just thinking about, I mean, I, I was thinking about a song that I listened to throughout, gosh, this is not even anywhere close to where you were going. This is good, though. So there was a song, <laughs> this is better, was a song that uh, during the Christmas season where it just said uh, something to the effect of this baby's hands are, will eventually be pierced for our sins. And so, I mean, that just, I don't know, Christmas became, it, obviously it's very real to us, but that, that was 
was just a real moving moment. And, and so I think, I don't know, for me, I just get, with, with babies make me emotional. So I think that Christmas had, had more of a, I emoted more during that time. <laughs> you use your emojis. Of, yeah, that's more. right. That's right. Yeah, do anything, good. Do you have anything better to say? I just was going to say, I think it was a blessing to the entire family and just a joy for everybody to see her come into our life and to see the closure of that story. And, um, yeah, just all of both sides of our family and just how excited they were and how much fun it was to have that baby and to have, yes, just thankful for her. Awesome. And and friends, friends were so amazingly supportive too. I mean, Megan said that early on, but it's just been um, incredible to see the church community just wrap their arms around us and just, we felt so blessed by that. So thank you all. Cool. Well, we'll just wrap up uh, your story with just this last question. Um, I know in our story, um, I really sense God putting on our heart to adopt and I kind of put it off for three, four, five years before I actually said okay and sent the paperwork in. I know there might be couples out here where you've got one spouse that's like really pro, let's do it. Maybe they're nudging their spouse as we talk and the other one's like, I don't know about that. And um, so what encouragement would you give folks who, um, you know, either maybe one spouse is like, yeah, let's do this or maybe both are kind of like, yeah, we think so, but we just don't know, like, what would you say? Well, so... I'm a selfish person, so I think um, I think immediately about what am, what is the benefit going to be to me, and I wish I wasn't that way. But the thing that's been phenomenal is that it, everybody we've had a lot of people say that we're doing something wonderful, and we are. I mean, I guess we're seeking after the heart of God, but it's been the blessings to us have just been so incredible. Like I can't even. Can't explain. So, for me, the the big thing I had all these fears, and a lot of it for me was just education. So, just I, it wasn't until we started through the process that I really got good, I guess, through the training of the first agency we were going through, um, and so that. That, that would be my first, I guess, just ask questions um, and, and get, gather information. Because I had a lot of just ridiculous things that I thought, oh, well, you know, what if this happens or can this happen? And so I had a lot of stuff that I worried about for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I had something else, but I lost it. I would say just take the first step, whether that means attending an informational session at an adoption agency or talking to friends who have adopted or just submitting an application just something to get yourself started and start seeking the information and asking the questions and doing the research because God God will provide for every step of the way and he will provide and take care of your fears and provide financially. Mm. I, I was going to say, I think you said it really well as we were coming up, that, that we're called to to minister to widows and orphans. The Bible says it, but it doesn't have to. I mean, just because... I, just because you don't feel like adoption is is something that you're called to doesn't mean that you're not supposed to be a part of of the, that part of it, just be a part of that. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I think one thing that Nick started to to kind of share that I, I really love, which is a unique perspective, is so oftentimes we think when we you know, if our family adopts a kid, oh, what a blessing is going to be for that kid. But in reality, I feel like God has something to teach us as adoptive parents. Um, more about him and his heart, and that child that we take in ends up impacting us in ways that we would have never imagined, and 
And, uh, you know, it's just like a lot of things with God. I mean, he gives us these opportunities that he wants to bless us with, and he wants to teach us more about him. Um, And sometimes it means, yeah, we take steps like this. And there's a lot of millions of other ways that God brings things across our path each and every day where we could either enter into that blessing or miss it. Um, So, cool. Well, thank you, guys. Let's give them a round of applause for sharing their story. Well, um, taking people... Uh, into your home uh, comes in all different forms. And one of the really enlightening things for us here in the past year has been our partnership with the Global Orphan Project. We've shared a lot with you guys about that uh, ministry in Kansas City. That's who we're going on our mission trip with. That's who's helped us with the guest house. And one of the first things when we started interacting with them was that they kind of redefined for us what an orphan is. Um, And especially in the context of America, where you don't have a lot of kids that just have both parents that have died from AIDS or some of the things you see in other parts of the world, Um, you see a lot of kids who um, maybe are fatherless, um, but really they redefined an orphan as any kid that doesn't have a champion in their life. And that was really helpful for us as we thought about the guest house and the ministry that we were going to do to kids in our neighborhood. There's a lot of kids in this neighborhood who just don't have champions just don't have, you know, the parents that are there and they're invested in them and their life and, and their upbringing. And so um, that we wanted to enter into that orphan place as well. And so this next couple, I would kind of say, has kind of entered into that a little bit. Um, Angie and Tony Mock have been friends of Kristen and I's. Um, Kristen and her went to elementary school together. And so we've known them forever. And I think over the course of my time of knowing them and our children growing up together, they've always been just extremely hospitable people. Um, Their home is always open. They're just incredibly generous and giving and kind. Um, But that's taken on uh, something to a whole different level in the past year. Um, And so they're going to come and share a little bit about their experience and, and, uh, and just what that's looked like. So I'm excited to hear what they have to share. So Tony and Angie, come on up. Um, All right, so as I've kind of shared, we've talked a lot in recent years about, you know, just caring for orphans, and so I'm kind of wondering, again, kind of like with the Codens, we started with just kind of what was the preparation part um, over the past couple of years? What was God doing in your hearts that kind of ready you for what the last year of your life has looked like? Can you pinpoint some things maybe he was teaching you or, or opening your mind to or preparing you for? Well, it's definitely different than what we thought it was going to look like. We, uh, like many people, we considered adoption early on and what that might look like. And, and even through that, we talked about what, uh, you know, just being involved in schools. And I'm going to shake, and I'm just going to put that out there right now because <laughs> I, I can't stop it. So it's, if, if we can ignore that as much as we can. But, uh, but being involved with uh, the Edison skill, uh, Angie got involved a couple years ago, and uh, that kind of really put us in connection with kids, and and just kind of from that, we we knew that we were going to continue being involved with that type of stuff, but we didn't know exactly how that was going, it, particularly for me. You know, I'm, I work at UPS. I work late. I don't have a schedule that I know what time I'm going to get off and what time uh, I can be involved with something, so... You know, we're always open, looking for something that uh, to be involved with, and and just didn't know really how that was going to come out. 
And like Bob said, our house has just been a house that's always been open to anyone. I mean, we've had kids in and out of that house forever. And basically, when we I grew up in the house that we live in right now, and we purchased the home back from the people that bought it from my parents. And um, so we purchased that house when our oldest son, Trevor, was in kindergarten. So there were a lot of things that even led us to be able to purchase that house back. And so when we did purchase that house back, Tony and I just completely gave that house to the Lord and said, whatever you want us to do with this, it's yours. We're physically living here, but this is your home. And whoever you want to bring to this home, whoever you want this home to touch, and however it can, then that's what we want to do. So as Tony said, we um, had two little boys, one of which Bob mentored him and his little brother, Matthew, um, were from Edison, and it, it was a situation where I started to go there and just be with Matthew like an hour, maybe once a week or a couple times a week, and then that led into them coming to our house, them spending the night at our house, um, hanging out with us, going to overnight trips with our family. Um, so that was really our first step in reaching others that we had no idea who these people were. I mean, we didn't know their mom. How I started that relationship with the mom was I had to leave a note in Matthew's backpack asking her if Matthew could come to the circus with us and gave her my cell phone number. So I think that how it prepared our hearts was just you have to be bold. I mean, if you want the Lord to touch your heart or if you want to touch other people's heart, you have to be bold in that because if you're not bold, then the other person that you're trying to reach, they may or may not be understanding what you're trying to do. Yeah. So just some background information. Angie and Tony have, have two kids um, of their own, Trevor, um, who's a sophomore in college, and Ashley, who's a junior in high school. Um, and so now we have kind of their, their new family, um, uh, the folks that are currently living at their house, minus London, uh, correct? <laughs> I think she's in that photo, or is she in the next one? Go to the next one, too. Yeah, there's a, kind of their Christmas photo as well. So, um, so Tony, I remember um, specifically um, being on the phone with you uh, the day that you were thinking about, or you really kind of already invited the first kid into your house. And uh, I was down at a cheer competition in Kansas City, and you're just, like, going on and, like, explaining the situation and what happened. And... Um, you know, just very um, emotional, but also just um, really sensing like the Holy Spirit just like speaking to you and like you couldn't deny that. So could you kind of talk about kind of that process of inviting that first kid in and what that was like? Well, the disclaimer is that young man we're speaking about was dating my daughter. (laughs) So yeah, that's going to raise a few eyebrows, I know. But um, this young man and I, we, I connected with him early on just because we shared so many same traits. We, we both had single uh, families. Uh, we both kind of did our own thing in school. Uh, we both wrestled, and if it wasn't for wrestling, it probably uh, wasn't much reason to go to school. Um, we both, we both uh, lost loved ones that I think affected us uh, 
in great ways that we didn't understand at the time, but we saw more effects of that down the road. And so, uh, you know, even though we weren't thrilled with the fact, uh, it wasn't it wasn't the model guy that I thought my daughter was going to bring home for the first time. And but but at the end of the day, you know, it, it didn't matter because she had a connection with him, and and because she had a connection with him, I felt my responsibility to give him a chance and see if I could have a connection with him. But his connection with me was going to be way different than any connection that maybe he had with any other father. And, and we, we sat this young man down and told him what our expectations were and what we, what we needed to see in him and the growth in him and so on and so forth. And he failed every single time (laughs) and, 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 and frustratingly failed. But, but I, I just, it was just in my heart that I, I couldn't, just as Ashley kind of couldn't let him go, I couldn't let him go either. And um, my family had gone away to Kentucky for vacation, uh, visit Angie's family. And uh, this young man just had uh, knee surgery. And just He tore his ACL, and he was recovering from the ACL, staying with his grandmother. And so I was going and visiting with him every day, just continuing trying to connect with him and, and trying to uh, just... I wanted to. I wanted what I told him. I wanted him to see the value in his life that I saw in his life. I mean, I saw something in that young man that that he didn't even have any idea was there, and, and it was it was just truly God working on me and just trying to continue to pull that out. Well, after spending a couple of days with him, he he decides the next night that he's going to sneak out of his grandmother's house, and um, of course, I find out through phone call through Angie that this had happened, and this is on a Sunday. At, well, I'm sitting at church, and uh, so anyway, I'm talking to Angie, I'm talking to Ashley, and I have to leave church, and I have to go to this young man's house and to tell him that he can no longer date my daughter. I mean, it just wasn't going to work, and uh, and it was emotional for me, which which frustrated me because I wanted just to cut the cord and just be done with him, but as I got to his house and I sat there in that couch with him, and, and tears were in both of our eyes, which, again, it's ridiculous because I, I should have just been done. But, <laughs> but, but, but the Lord, I'm telling you, for the, probably the first time in my life that, that, that I was obedient, that, that Lord said, he talked to me so clear that day and said, you're not done. Your work is not done with this young man. And he said, you're not leaving here without bringing him home with you. And... I sat there for 15 minutes just looking at him crying, and I'm crying, and I'm, I'm looking, I'm thinking, no. You know, what, what will this look like? What will my friends think if I bring my daughter's boyfriend home? What, what will my church family think of me? And at the end of the day, the Lord just kept telling it doesn't matter. You're doing my work, and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And for me, that, that was tough because I care what other people think about us, our family. I, I, I do care, but, but at the end of the day, um, I just asked him, and I said, you know, would you like to come home with us? And, and I, I kind of laid out what that might look like and if he decided to take that challenge, and, uh, and he accepted, and and I had to call my wife and, and, <laughs> and, and, and tell my wife what I had just done. So uh, I think that's when you called me. I called a few. I called Rob Howard. I think they called Eric Bruder. I, called, I was calling people, getting support. But, mm. but, but I can promise you, I mean, it was nothing more than the Lord speaking to me. Yeah. Angie, how did your, um, how did your own children respond to this idea? And then even just the idea of bringing more kids into your house, like... Um, when Ash and I got back home, like he said, we were driving home from Kentucky. So we got home and 
walked in and Keone was on our couch with his leg up and an ice machine on his leg um, and asleep. So Tony and I had decided that we were going to send Ashley someplace else to a friend's house for at least a week. They were on spring break. So Ashley, I think, stayed at our house for probably just a very, very few minutes and got her stuff and um, took off to one of her friend's house. Um, I think that that in Ashley's case, I think that she... I think that she's been fine. Um, I I don't know exactly what she's had to go through, you know, in high school. Um, these boys, Keone and the rest of the boys, they all graduated last year from Benton. So these are boys, and Ashley had transferred to Benton last year. So these are all boys that went to the same school that she was going to. And so I'm quite certain for a period of time, that was the hot topic of gossip, you know, to talk about. Um, But Ashley has never, ever given us one ounce of thought that she did not want the boys there. She has never complained to us that it's been rough on her. She has, um, and when I say that, it has been rough. I mean, I know that it's been rough on her, and I we just got off of a situation that was pretty rough on all of us. But overall, I think Ashley's been fine. I've always said that she's being protected by the Lord yeah. because this is his show. Yeah. And so, therefore, she is, she's good. And the, the boys love her as if she's their sister. So uh, there's nothing that's going to happen to her. I mean, I can promise you that. Those boys, if, if they heard of anyone saying something that they shouldn't be saying, those boys would take care of that, I'm sure, themselves. Yeah. Um, with Trevor, Trevor, I think, at first, he didn't know any of these boys. I mean, he might have known their name, but he certainly did not know them as individuals. He was not friends with them. He graduated from Central um, our whole family was always central. We didn't know these boys either. So to have these boys to start coming into our son's home when he's only a year older than them, it was, I don't think that it was a challenge, but everyone just had to be patient with each other. Um, and it was even more crazy this past summer because we also had a Mustangs player staying at our house. So <laughs> we had people were everywhere, sleeping everywhere. And um, so we called it the guest house, too. Yeah. Is what we. <laughs> but I can tell you, there have been a, a couple times where I get my. I have a very short fuse sometimes. So <laughs> there have been a couple situations where I have said to the boys, you know what, and one of the boys in particular where I've said, you know what, it might be time for you to move on, for you to go away for a while, and let me regroup, and then we'll talk again later. And that's only happened a few times, but the times that it has happened, Trevor, our son Trevor, has been the one that has said, no, they're not leaving. These boys are staying. I've got their back. I'm getting in their life. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make this situation work. 
And so it something that started off as a ministry of, of Tony and I that we were doing has now developed into a family situation to where he does not want those boys to leave our house. Mm-hmm. And the boys do not want to leave our house. So... Um, so how, how did it go from one to four? <laughs> that happened all at once? Or did no. they trickle in? Or it, it happened, I think Keone had been in our house for probably, I don't know, maybe a month. And um, one of the boys had, had a graduation party. So Keone and a couple of his friends had gone to the graduation party. And Keone didn't come home that night. So that was one of the times when I said to Keone, it might be best if you go. And here, I'll pack your things for you to make it simple. It's nice of you. And um, (laughs) so he asked if he could talk to us, if he could talk to Tony and I. And I said, that's fine. And he said, well, I'm with um, Chase and Tyler, do you care if they come? And I said, I don't care if they come, that's fine. So we met them and we talked. He ended up coming back to our house. He asked if they could come over to swim. I said, that was fine. I had gone upstairs to get towels for them. And, um, and Tony said they can all move in. No. <laughs> <laughs> they came, Chase and Tyler came upstairs to get swim trunks. So it was just the three of us in the hallway. And I looked at them and I said, he has to have your help. He can't do this alone. I mean, he can't be in our house and live a life, a different life, but then go out with you people and become discouraged. And although he, it is on him, if he chooses to go out and do those things, I knew how important it was. He had to have others with him. He could not do it alone. I mean, yeah. he had to have at least one. So I just looked at them, and I'm like, you have to help him. If you don't help him, he's going to end up leaving our house, and I don't know what he's going to do. He has no place to go. He has to have you. And those boys looked at me, and they're like, okay. And they've never left. <laughs> they've never left our house. They have stayed at our house every night. And then uh, Trevor Stanton joined us, and Thomas Ritter has been at our house. And we're not going to tell them no. I mean, Tony jokes, and he's like, this is it. No more, no more, no more. But they have to have each other to, to walk this life together. And um, so that's yeah. what happened. It's kind of like that idea of, like, you've got one dog that plays too much. You think, oh, I'll get another one, and then they'll play together, and then you end up with two dogs, and you're like, ah, that was really... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So tell me just on a spiritual level, I mean, those are kind of the nuts and bolts of how these folks ended up in your home. What What has God been, how has he been meeting you through this process? What has he been teaching you about just in your own heart and... Um, through you know, sharing your life with so many people now. You can't just walk in your house like you probably used to and do what you kind of want to do. Your kids are older, self-sufficient, and, you know, kind of live your life. Now you've got all these other people at the dinner table and all that. You know, I mean, what has that been like spiritually? And Well, I, I, I've always just naturally kind of questioned my leadership. And, and, and honestly, over the years, I've kind of let 
the stronger personality in our house take control over some of that stuff. And, and, but over the years, you know, as I've become, as I, my relationship with Christ has grown, I realized, uh, not only through the Lord, but also through my wife saying, I need you to take a bigger role. I need leadership from you. I want to follow you. And so, you know, so, so I'm, I'm, I, I'm kind of struggling with that with my own family, but getting better. But then we bring in some young men that all of a sudden, you know, I have to be that guy. And, and we, we have fun. We joke around. And, and, um, but at the same time, I mean, I had to step up my game to a level to where they're going to follow me and they're going to trust what I say and what I do and, and believe what I say. And, and when we speak of the Lord, um, that, that they're going to have confidence in what I'm saying is true. And, you know, they've joined us. Obviously, they're here in uh, church with us. We've had, and trust, this is none of our work. I mean, I want to be clear with that. This is none of our work. But, you know, three of the young men have been baptized through Wellsprings Church since they've stayed with us. Two more are on the list wanting to do so. And, you know, so their hearts are eager, which makes it easier for me to to play that role. But uh, uh, I've been, the whole time that they were at our house, I kept thinking that I, I need somebody, I need somebody else to step into this house to to be a role model for these men that that allow me just to be more of the father figure and just kind of control the house. And it, it, that didn't happen as what, the way I thought it was going to happen, but what the Lord said to me is, it's you. You're, this is your role. You don't need somebody else to do that. But, but we do have support in our small group. We do have support. Uh, just recently, the, the guys and I have started a, a Kingdom Men book together, and Rick Williams is working with that with us, and, and our son Trevor's taking a huge role in that. And um, it's just really made me step up my game, and, and I'm thankful for that. I'm, I'm, it was something that I probably needed to do, but I, I, I owe it to these young men to play that role and, and to be that man. So. Yeah. Angie, I know, like you kind of shared a little bit ago, there's been some pretty discouraging times, some down times, times that have been really hard. Like, how have you felt God meet you in those moments, or how has he met you? We, um, on Christmas morning, those that were at our house on Christmas morning, we all read a Bible verse about how 2015 had looked what a Bible verse that meant something to us for the year 2015. And the Bible verse that I picked was just about uh, perseverance and just continuing to to fight the fight that the Lord is asking you to fight and to don't give up. And if you do not give up, then you will see the promise that he has for you. And so I talked about that verse, and it it meant to me that, as I said, I have asked um, Keone, basically, to leave our house a few different times, and that kid will not leave. I mean, <laughs> he will text me 500 times, I want to come home, I want to come home, when can I come home? I, I won't do this anymore, I won't, you know, just let me come home. And so what I've learned throughout this is that just sometimes it is it's more than we have like I want to tell him no Keone I mean I have in certain situations you know it's just I just get tired sometimes but it's not it's like it's not me fighting it's it's so much more than me because if it were up to me it would have ended that first month it would have ended 
So what I've learned from it is that it, it's just bigger than what I am. It has nothing to do with me. It is completely the Lord at work in what I think that should look like and what the Lord knows it should look like are two different things. And I have had to set aside my personality and just continue to give in and to be obedient to what the Lord is asking me to do. Mm. Yeah. Tony, as we close, do you just kind of maybe want to share with folks, um, you know, this has been a journey for you of faith and, um, you know, of, of what, it, what it looks like, um, I guess, what advice you would give to folks if, if, if they feel like the Spirit's leading them to do something that's, that's uncomfortable, that they can't really see what this is going to look like down the road. Like, what advice would you give to folks about how to handle that or how to enter into that? Yeah. Um, good friend of mine, John, and I don't know if he's here today, but one of the things that, that he'd always told us in Bible study is the Lord will work with those who have a heart willing to work. You know, if your heart is open and willing to accepting God's work, then he's going to put you to work. And so, first of all, that's where I would encourage everybody is just to check your hearts and make sure that they're in a place where they're prepared and they're ready to go to war and battle for him. And second, then, then just trust him because, again, what, what I did and what I opened up my house to didn't make sense. And, and maybe to some of you today still sitting out here, it doesn't make sense. And, and I can respect that, but... But I just know what the Lord called me to do that day. And if my heart wasn't in the right place at the right time, then, then I would have missed that opportunity as I've probably missed other opportunities in the past because I wasn't in that place. Um, so just, um, just have a heart uh, open and uh, the willingness to serve. So. Awesome.